2: The Squareball Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Squareball Podcast, episode 142. I'm Dan Moylan, this is Michael Normanson. Hello. And this other voice, this is Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. The season has started and we are looking forward to releasing issue one of our brand new fanzine, wonderful cover featuring the brilliant arts that are being designed by...
0: John Trigonning. And it is of... Calvin Phillips. And it's on sale on Saturday before the Nottingham Forest match. If you go online now, I would recommend either getting a paper subscription so you get them all season, or a digital subscription so you get them as a PDF all season. Everything you need is at the squareball.net. Right then, into the game
2: review now. Then we've had a game and we won. We've got three points. We're top of the table. If you want to get our full and more comprehensive and wildly inaccurate thoughts, have a listen to our new podcast on this same stream, The Match Ball, which we recorded straight after the full-time whistle went at Ashton Gate. Any
0: sort of secondary reactions to it now? What, what did we get wrong? Calvin Phillips getting booked. He, apparently it was for sure who was being... We didn't all get other... that wrong. We didn't all get it wrong. <laughs> Thank you to the people on Twitter whose opinion I trust and value. Who, uh, who put us straight on that rather than the, uh, the maverick nonsense I was listening to at the time that I, I chose to disbelieve?
1: And this is a game we watched on TV. Think how inaccurate it's going to be when we're straight from Ellen Road with
2: no replays or anything. It's going to be all over the place. Well, Saturday should be interesting because I'm at a child's party instead of at Ellen Road. So uh, I will have no idea. Is this your child's party? I hope so. That little break that we've talked about. Yeah. Uh, well, there has been a development on that front, actually. Um, when we were watching the, um, the Bristol game, Broodinelle Social Club we got together to watch it in Leeds didn't we uh, my wife sent me a picture of the little lad sat in front of the TV watching. Crying.
0: no no annoyed it wasn't Spurs
2: watching engrossed in uh, in the Leeds game and do, you know, do you know what he said I like that away kit can I have that away kit so maybe He's some saying... good
0: has come over the away kit then <laughs> is he going to get Clark on the back of it <laughs> his favourite Leeds player is a Spurs player Willem Corston. little prick <laughs> something like that so yeah it
2: was nice wasn't it that was a, love, a lovely weekend uh, good start to the season as we said we've been right so far 100% accuracy that we would win on, on Sunday and we'd be top of the league and we have been top of the league for as long as the league has been on this season which is great
0: was it Derby beat Huddersfield don't they go on Law? oh no uh, two, goal difference that's good that's reassuring I was thinking my main thought uh, reflecting on the game afterwards was just Thank fuck we won because imagining what it would have been like if we'd actually lost to Bristol, how it would have felt on Monday morning and the mood of everybody and then Roof being confirmed going to Wandelect, and we haven't got to go, all that kind of stuff. But it was fine. We won the match. We're top of the league where we will stay for the next uh, 46 rounds of matches without a worry or a care.
2: I've had a thought, you know, I don't think Kiko was as terrifying as we thought he was. I think in the, particularly in that opening 10 seconds, which was, which was wonderful. Uh, he had our hearts in our mouths, didn't he? But I think some of the decision-making was actually better than we gave him credit for.
1: Yeah, I think the the one that I reflected on where he came for a cross and that he made it looked on at first like he shouldn't have come for it, but he actually got a fingertip to it. And if you look at it, there was a Bristol City player stood right behind him, just ready to nod it in, had he not done that. So that
2: was the right decision. And he didn't actually mess up. He did take on a striker successfully. So, yeah, absolutely love the photos of him not being the furthest player back. That's that's wild. There was a point at which one of the strikers was actually further forward than him, wasn't there?
0: Which is
2: it's going to be an interesting
0: season. Did you see the the clip that was going around on Twitter? It was filmed from the Bristol end when he uh, he'd run all the way out of goal and he was kind of he'd cleared it and then he was kind of just jogging back and he was like shaking hands with Bristol's striker and s- Bristol had the ball and somebody in their crowds is going shoot, shoot. Fucking shoot! <laughs> and he just doesn't care. He just strolls
2: back. Uh, Bielsa's comments on Kiko are interesting and perhaps reinforce uh, why he's doing what he's doing.
0: Well, it's the um, it's possibly the Bielsa philosophy in a, in a nutshell where he says, uh, uh, when you take a risk, what you value is the result. If he doesn't make a mistake, it will be good. If he makes a mistake, it will be bad. That's fine. And that's basically what it came down to. He, he didn't actually make any mistakes. He took some risks that were ne- not necessarily comfortable, but um, you could maybe fault him for the the goal in off his in his near post. He's deflected he kind of, though. I think n-
1: Liam Cooper might fault him for something as well, given his, his headache on on the, that still probably exists uh, to this day. Might might be Kiko's fault.
0: It's funny because Sky did that piss taking little video of him as like, eh, eh, let, let, "So i was surprised he didn't put some binoculars and have like some Spygate jokes just for the fuck of it." And I, I don't think they included him flooring one of our own defenders with the right hook maybe they, it was too harrowing for the uh, the viewers at home
2: they don't like that sort of thing we don't do that sort of thing over here
0: no. there was a crazy um because uh, Phil Hay did an article about Casir uh, at the athletic and the thing that um, stood out for me was a stat from last season about his behavior as a sweeper keeper where he said he was in the championship for less than half of last season but he swept up more times than all but three goalkeepers in the division who played more than 30 games. So, And that also points to uh, success. So him being all the way out of that goal, um, he went on to compare it to uh, Bailey Peacock-Farrell's last few games. Apparently, like all all of his touches would be inside our own penalty area, whereas the statistics do back up what whereas we Ke- think about Peacock.
2: Are all on the edge of the opposition's
0: penalty you're area. You're lucky if you actually find him in our box, but that's... Um, I'd like to see Kiko's
1: heat map. I genuinely think it probably is somewhere between the edge of his box and the halfway line.
0: Yeah it seems to be what Bielsa likes about him is uh, again from the article two things apparently after the the derby match he went straight to Bielsa and said I'm sorry I don't want to leave Um, I found it quite hard getting used to your training methods but I'm not going to hide I'm not going to run away back to Spain I'm going to stay and I'll I'll put this right next season which Bielsa liked and then also what you could see with him and Ben White is how fast we are at the back compared to when it was Peacock Farrell and Pontus Janssen who would just like stand and have like a massive strop at each other like you pass it we passing it you pass it whereas the now the ball's just like one touch and he, he loves those little they don't necessarily always work but those little chips to the wings and stuff and as soon as the ball comes into him it it goes out unless he fancies playing with the forward, in which case there's a, a mild heart attack.
1: Our first impressions of, uh, of Ben White as well, were that he had a really good game, and the stats I've seen have, have all backed this up as well, like his his pass completion's really good, he t- took people on successfully, made a lot of interceptions, won aerial duels, won tackles, basically didn't do anything wrong.
0: He does a really nice thing as well, as when the which is kind of shared with Kiko, is that when the ball comes towards him, if he's taking a touch, it's a touch forward. He's not stopping the ball dead, he's just opening his body out, body progressive, shape.
1: Progressive passes was one of his best stats actually. That was um I think he might have been made more progressive passes than anyone else in the Leeds team.
0: I'm glad you've uh, you started looking at who in more detail. I've been telling you for years that it's the uh,
2: they're making it up, mate.
0: It's the website to uh to enjoy and I'm glad that you've you finally cottoned on.
2: Another um favorite punch bag of just about everybody's is Adam Forshaw actually on reflection I think having watched the game back. Through adrenaline-soaked, joyous eyes. I think he was pretty good, actually, on Sunday, Adam, for sure.
0: Why can't he kick a football harder? This is true.
1: We need to give him some Tony Eboa compilations. Yeah, like, Just try some of these. Getting try the,
0: twatting it. The ball on the edge of the box, and it's just kind of like, a, eh. and it, it can't be strength. You know, he's a footballer. He must have strong legs. Leave him alone. Just because he didn't score, he needs support. He, he needs some just practice at kicking a football.
2: But even still, his general distribution and passing was better, don't you think?
0: <laughs> no, he was fine. Like, yes, and... You
2: share an identical beard, so don't you start... Oh, that's an evil look, by the way.
0: The non-grey parts of my beard are considerably... Dying. Hasn't he shaved it off?
2: I think he's back now.
0: It was very much on his face on Sunday. Shows how much... Maybe I, I shouldn't really discuss his overall place since I didn't look at him once, apart from when he was shooting softly, as the Fugees once sang.
2: Any other uh, conclusions from Sunday? Pablo, still ace, will be ace forever, don't ever leave us. Yep, basically. So we're top of the league then, and there we shall remain, as we have rightly
0: predicted. We happy with that, with the overall weekend? We do seem to have avoided a stupid result. Most of the other fancied teams, okay, maybe Derby beat Huddersfield, but everybody's going to beat Huddersfield, and and West Brom won. But like Stoke lost, Cardiff lost, um, all the teams that came down lost, didn't they? Fulham lost. Brentford are always supposed to be challenging in the playoffs with their superstar defender now they lost. Middlesbrough only drew at Luton. There was a lot of results that just made you think, almost, have we already got an advantage over some of these teams?
1: It was a a series of results that if you were putting together like a a betting coupon, you would have got nearly all of them wrong.
0: And if that had happened, maybe, if that had been a a weekend of results in end of April, we'd probably be thinking, oh, right, yeah, Cardiff lost. We've, We've opened up a We've opened up a gap over Cardiff that we need at the top of the table because we all know Warnock's going to get them up there again by sheer shithousery. So all that happening on Saturday, I did wonder if we were going to be in line for a similar bad result. But no, because we're Leeds United and we are the best. We're Leeds United and fuck all the rest.
2: Hey, the extra ball this week is going to be a treat, which is our second podcast, by the way, that goes along with this one because tomorrow night at the time that we are recording, we are doing our first ever live tsb podcast are you terrified it's not nerve-wracking at all is it
0: it's fine i assume we've we've worked out everything that we're going to do yep entirely it's all very well planned the discussion is going to be uh incisive comprehensive intelligent not at all fueled by nervous drinking just to get us through it and some silly voices probably oh we'll, def- we'll have to do the silly voices
2: well anyway, that will appear on the extra ball feed this week. Uh, should be a good laugh, hopefully, even if you're laughing at us rather than than with us. And we launched the extra ball as well as a means, if you wanted to get behind us, we'll bring you some bonus content and all the new stuff that we're doing is thanks to the people who've got behind us on the extra ball. If you would like to do the same, it's two ninety-nine a month and your first month is free. You can find all the details at squareball.net forward slash the extra ball. Well, we're nearly uh, at the end of the transfer window, boys, and what a transfer window it's been. I mean, we're going to have to uh, obviously uh, hope that Kimar Roof comes back fighting fit soon when uh, when his injury's up. Uh, oh dear, he's gone. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one. His roof. He obviously, as as Bielsa said,
1: you know, he can't be happy about it because he's been our top scorer for a couple of years and was a key part of the side.
2: But no one seems that upset. I've always struggled to want a roof, and I'm not sure why. Maybe because he was a bit indifferent in his first couple of seasons. He was great last year, don't get me wrong. Absolutely you know, shouted his name from the rooftops and all that. But I'm okay about him going again, but it's always with the caveat of uh, whoever
0: comes in to replace him, isn't it, really? A child seems to be the um, current thinking. There's something about um, watching the video of him walking into Anderlecht, and when he meets uh, Vincent Company, there's two shots of him. Kind of shaking hands with Vincent Company for the first time. He kind of goes in to embrace him. He's kind of looking over his shoulder a little bit. And like if he was uh, your spouse, perhaps, you'd you'd feel a lack of a lack of warmth there, and you'd probably notice you'd be looking over your shoulder, like, oh, is there something over there that you were looking at? He's like, no, no, I was I was fully in into that hug, fully invested. But and that's kind of him. The whole transfer kind of seems to have that feel about it of just like you th- you always want a player to be like 100% fully committed to your club and do or die for the uh, the cause of we're going to get Leeds United promoted. And he's put his Instagram post out saying, oh, Leeds get to where they want to be. And he's done an interview this morning saying that he's a Leeds United fan now and he, you know, he's always going to be looking out for us in the future. But then uh, a year left on your contract and elect come in. And it's like, he's, he's obviously gone because there's a year left on his contract. So it's financial move. Anderlecht's. Didn't even get in the Europa League last year. Missed out, so they're they're quite bad. And that's the task, is to try and get them back into Belgium's top six.
1: I mean, 20 years ago, a move to Anderlecht was probably quite decent because it had meant Champions League football and what have you. But yeah, Bel- the Belgian, other than obviously um, Jordan Bataka, mm. the, the level of quality isn't really there anymore. It, perhaps that's a reason. He just wants to go and see him again.
0: Maybe that's the other reason as well, As it'll be a piece of piss. He might score 50 goals and he'll be a... And like Belgian superhero but it seems you know it's not it's a little bit like the Pontus Janssen thing it's not that move to the premier league that you expected and it's not the it's not going to another club where there's why the fuck would you go to Anderlecht basically <laughs> like i mean the, brussels i've not been uh, uh, I, I think i've passed through brussels i have a fondness for like belgium as a concept like as a mood i'm quite into, quite yeah and I love the phrase, uh, Benilux is one of my favourite words. I just like the word Benilux. How do you feel about mayonnaise on your chips? Fine. like In fact, yes, that's when I have been in uh, Belgium. We were overloaded with uh, with French fries smothered in mayonnaise. They lived exactly up to the stereotype, people we were staying with. And it was great. Like Couldn't get enough of it. That's absolutely fantastic. So maybe Kemar feels the same. I feel like I need... Just before he goes, I'll finally start saying his name properly.
2: Is this the best analysis we can do, just diving into national stereotypes? Well, I mean, yes, we already know the answer to that, but... yeah, It's a, it's a weird move, isn't it? It's a bit of a weird move. A bit like like you say, a bit like Pontus. I, I don't quite...
1: When him and Pontus have, have laid in bed at night thinking of their dream careers, Anderlecht in and Brentford were, were not figuring at all. Who do you reckon's
2: the big spoon out of those two there?
1: <laughs> I wasn't thinking of them together, but oh. yes, potentially... Now you yeah. are. Now I am. I think Pontus, he'd make it all about him, wouldn't he? Very unsatisfying for, uh,
0: for poor Roof. There's the other part of this. It seems to have come out of uh, a crisis at Anderlecht rather than anything else. They sold a couple of strikers and other ones injured. So they've gone, who's available in the day? Oh, Kemal Roof's probably gettable. So they have just going to kind of got the strike Nobody's really, it doesn't seem like it's what anybody really wants to happen. You're right. Nobody woke up one morning going, I really want to move to Anderlecht today.
2: And he needs replacing, of course, and that's the biggest question. Who? And it seems to be an either-or
0: type situation. I mean, it's very Bielsa that his main target, the, the player he really wants to replace Roof, is a winger. Everybody's like, right, and I even wrote, uh, uh, was it Squareball Week? One of the things I've been writing, I've been writing too many, was that, okay, we get Roof out, um, he wouldn't take the wage we were offering, but another striker who might be as good, if not better, might want to come to Leeds for the money that Roof wouldn't stay for. So it's almost, it's an opportunity to say, Oh, we can, you know, there is now a gap in, there aren't many holes open up in Bielsa's squad because he keeps it so small. We can go and get a player with that money, the fee and the wage he didn't want, put that together, maybe a bit of the BPF cash, go and get somebody. And we're like, yes, we'll get it. We'll get that striker. We'll get Dwight Gale. We'll get Dwight Gale or we'll get everybody wants Dwight Gale. no, Ryan Kent. Let's have a winger and let's mould him to play centrally.
2: Well, it seems to be that Bielsa's always wanted Ryan Kent. He was like top of his hit list, maybe to fill the Saez role. But if it's one and it's a striker or Kent, then which one would you go for? It is annoying that it's one or the other. Let's have both. We surely have had. We've had a very
1: profitable summer on the transfer front. I know the wage bill is apparently much bigger than it was. Surely, like a twenty-year-old on loan from Arsenal, isn't costing that much?
0: The problem with uh, Eddie. Ketia is the N silent. We should have looked into this. Is that everybody wants him. So Bristol City think they want to get him. Bundesliga teams are in for him. So Arsenal are almost, they're sitting there like queens on a, a throne while everybody's like begging for a little bit of attention for them. Oh, please, can we have Eddie? Please, and just ignoring everybody until somebody drops enough gold in their laps to make it worth their while. So they can probably, like the loan fee that they can ask for him is probably quite a significant amount of money.
2: We've said before, I think, we gather that it was, what, five million quid that was spent on the loans last year. So we're investing quite a lot of money on some rather unsuccessful loans last year, hopefully more successful this year.
0: He does seem like he would be more success- Like the demand for him is a reassuring factor because I can't imagine we were fighting off many clubs for Lewis Baker last season or um, an injured Izzy Brown. Whereas the fact that all of the championship, half the Bundesliga are, are trying to get this guy makes me think that it is a little bit little bit disappointing if we replace a permanent player with a loan. That just doesn't never feels quite right. But if he actually is going to be the best player in the league for less, the next 12 months, we were saying last year, why couldn't we have got Tammy Abraham instead of um, Izzy Brown? Why couldn't we have got, uh, who was the guy who quit West Brom to go back to Leicester? Harvey Barnes. Harvey Barnes. Why couldn't we have, you well, know...
2: We nearly got Harvey Barnes, didn't we?
0: Exactly. So it's it's... And it's the way you have to play in the uh, in the championship to a d- degree. I think I said on one of the last podcasts, the difference with Aston Villa going up is when they're in the championship, they loan Tyrone Mings for a season. When they get in the Premier League, they buy him for 25 million quid. You you have to weigh it up. Do you want to have Ryan Kent forever or do you want to have a hotshot striker who might be a better player for a year?
1: I think the thing with getting a striker in is this year, as opposed to the likes of Baker and Brown, we, we actually have better players than them already last year whereas we don't have a, another striker at the moment other than um, Pat Bamford. We, uh, some decent prospects in the under-23s, the but there's no one actually that we, we feel obviously feel confident we can play.
0: It's all down to Bielsa's kind of wanting to use players in loads of different ways. Where we he was saying last week that he he doesn't have a 33-player a squad, but he's got 22 players. that so is like having a 33-player squad because Bill can just play up front or wherever. And, and Ryan Kent seems to kind of, fit that if he thinks he can use because the thing about signing a striker is that Patrick Bamford is is our striker and we only have room in the team for one so if you've got a player like Ryan Kent who can play either side or behind him that means that when Pat Bamford inevitably knackers his knee you can just move him into that position and bring somebody else into that position so there is some logic to having those options rather than just the out and out striker but as people raised on Ian Baird, Lee Chapman Mark Viduka, Jimmy Hasselbank, Jermaine Beckford, Luciano Becchio, just bang, ball, net, goal 30 times a season. It's difficult to get used to the idea that we're going to fill that 30-goal that gap with a winger.
2: It's the world we seem to inhabit these days. That's the, the nature of the EFL, really, isn't it? Now you can't spend any money anymore. Unless, of course, you buy your own stadium, in which case you're absolutely fine to sign Wayne Rooney. But let's not get into that right now. Anyway, uh, let's have a quick rif- rifle through the other targets. Uh, the other names that have been mentioned about coming in. Uh, Ryan Nolan, into Milan, under-23s, captain, Irish defender. Do we know much about
0: him? We know he's, got, he's lost. Why is he in Milan? It's a very good question. Why, why is he captaining their primavera the, squad? The Nolan sisters went on tour, maybe, and
1: misplaced him. I don't know.
0: <laughs> he's saying he's a, a lost love child, but he's taken the name. Correct. Found out his true parentage and decided... a wonder. fan of
1: loose women and has, and has opted for that. And Col- Colidio as well. Don't know much about him. Colidio Nolan. He's very good, apparently, but it's, uh, it's like all of these young players from abroad. People form opinions on them the second we're linked
2: with them, having never seen them play. And Slightly scarred by imports from Italy, given the Chilino years. He could be this year's Dario Del Fabro. What, is he going to be Eleonora's
1: boyfriend this time? Oh, was that the other guy? Was that Benedicic? I can't uh, remember which it was one it was.
0: Benedicic who was uh, friendly with Eleonora. <laughs> friendly. That's the sort of thing like a, a grandparent says of their children when they have. Uh... I believe they were courting.
2: <laughs> yes. And who's this giant uh, child from Lorient? Ilan Meslier. Melier. Don't know how you'd say it. Is he giant
0: or is that just his neck?
1: I think most of his height seems to be in his in his head and neck. Yeah, I'm not sure. He's, he's about five foot eight. If you take away the, if he had a normal size head and neck,
0: is he? Uh, is he an in inversion of Kiko Kassia, who's whose his height is all in his legs? Is this another Rob Price situation where he's going gonna to get the bandsaw out, a little cut and shut on our two goalkeepers, bang them together?
2: I'm just looking at this picture of him here. I think there is giraffe DNA there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, the ears certainly suggest that, but the, the, the head shape is more of it's sort of an Andros Townsend head shape. Very, it's a very,
2: it's a top heavy head, which is hard to explain really. Reminiscent of a light bulb. Yes. Anyway, he's... uh, he's Um, Anyway, if he does sign, we welcome him with open arms and we wish him all the very best of luck. Big freak. And going out then, Moscow, uh, have you prepared a farewell video then for Bailey Peacock Farrell? Obviously, this is slightly old news now, but it was just breaking when we recorded last time. I just redid the old one, (laughs) to be honest. For the benefit of anybody who's a new listener, this is a video that Moscow put together when he was on loan at York and there were clamours for Bailey Peacock Farrell come back into the Leeds side to replace
0: was it Silvestri He was to come into the Leeds side for the first time to take over Viedval oh, had, had it. lost it and Lonergan was no good and everyone was saying what about Peacock Farrell in the under 23s he, he he must be good and you, give him you, a chance you shut that argument down good and proper well he was shit at York like there's no getting away from it the the first clip in that everybody I think has their favourite goal that he conceded at York uh, mine is the first one in the video where the ball is uh, uh, when he finally decides to dive. The ball is basically rolling over the line, but he's on the penalty spot and he sort of dives forward over a, over a striker just for absolutely no reason whatsoever.
2: I mean, all joking apart, it's a slightly strange trajectory he's had at Leeds, almost because he came in as kind of the great white hope into the nets, and then suddenly it's just kind of all all gone right. Is, is it a lack of quality, attitude? What what do you think it is? Got
0: to remember as well that. So the, the other context for that video was that the academy staff at Thorparch Arch were going to release him. They, they just didn't think he was going to make it. So if he hadn't got into the first team, he wasn't going to be kept in the under-23s. So that's the first bizarre trajectory, is that he went from being about to be shown the door at Leeds to being our number one goalkeeper under Marcelo Bielsa. So that was strange enough. And then trying to work out why Burnley think he's worth three and a half million quid and that there were other Premier League teams interested, like all oh, joking about him aside, just don't see it.
1: I don't either. I've seen a lot of people saying that three and a half million quid is a crap fee for him, given... and Yeah, it's been a daft summer with you know Harry Maguire, 80 million quid, Bournemouth are then asking for 75 million for Nathan Ake, as has less to try and replace him. In that context, yeah, it does seem a low fee, but I also think he's a very low quality player. I know he's young, and young and goalkeepers do improve. But generally, in a in a young player, you'll see certain elements that are outstanding in them. Like you might might be a very quick winger who can beat players, but then has no final ball, or a goalkeeper whose decision making is a bit off, but his shot stopping is brilliant. And I don't see any great strengths in him. And I can say this now. I can I've, I've been leaving it to you until until he leaves, but now he's left. I think he's basically not very good at
0: anything. If you shoot at him, you'll probably score. Because he tends to just dive in the wrong direction and the ball goes in the net. And that's a really strange starting point for a a goalkeeper. For a long time now, well, since I made that video, basically, um, every time Bailey Peacock Farrell breathes, I get Twitter notifications about it, which (laughs) is hilarious. I I mean,
2: admittedly, we have deliberately stoked the flames on this podcast.
0: And I love it. It's great. But it did mean that I came, uh, a lot of Burnley fans came into my orbit last week who were being, because a lot of, I think I assume listeners to this podcast were brilliantly tweeting at Any Burnley fan they knew saying, this is what you're getting. And this was, uh, especially once I put the Prisoner Cell Block H <laughs> theme music on top of it, just to top it off. And they were a lot, some of them were like, oh, Jesus Christ. One that stood out was saying, why have we paid three and a half million when we're just going to loan this idiot to Rotherham anyway? Um, but there were a couple in there. I was like, nope. Once our goalkeeping coach gets hold of him, He'll be the next Dino's off. Absolutely fine. Ignoring anything he's done before it leads. We'll train him. He will be brilliant. And there's still that potential. You don't, you don't get to become. I mean, even actually a Northern Ireland fan. Uh, because yeah, among all the tweets, somebody said, Well, he's Northern Ireland's number one goalkeeper. And somebody else peeped up. It's like, yeah, well, I'm a Northern Ireland fan. We ain't got anybody else.
1: I was going to say, who is Northern Ireland's number two at the moment?
0: Uh, there was some cause for Mike Taylor to to come back <laughs> into contention. But he's got himself, you know, he's played a decent number of games in the championship. He's now, he's been scouted by Premier League teams, deemed worth a fee, plays international football. It's not beyond the realms of possibility that somebody will turn him into a magical player. But you got to think the other end of it, when Leeds spent a lot of the nineties with like Mark Ford and Mark Jackson in our team. Didn't Mark Ford end up driving a train? If I remember like a I don't couple- think
1: he was even allowed to drive. I think he was just doing the tickets.
0: And that's a couple of years after a... A couple of years after being a Premier League footballer, he was driving a train because as soon as he was out of the uh, the bubble of where he'd come up, and we didn't have another player to put into that gap, presumably having the likes of Paul Beasley in the team in the team next to him just like made him look better and that like raised his quality to the the same level. Once he was out of that, it just it didn't happen. And there was a lot of like the the ninety three cup team, the class of ninety two that we always talk about. It's kind of a cautionary tale with all that because a lot of players like Andy Cousins who stayed in the in our team in the Premier League for a while and you think, oh, really good player. And then their next move was like to a fourth division team because they just weren't that good when you get them out of our situation.
1: From his point of view, for, for Peacock Farrell, if, if that is how his career is going to go, absolutely the right move for him because he's now probably, if he's sensible, he can be set for life on his Premier League contract of four years or whatever
2: it is and just... Laugh his cock off that he should really be playing for Stalybridge. It could become one of those kind of professional uh, reserve goalkeepers who plays no games whatsoever but makes a tidy living from it.
1: That's the dream. The third choice goalkeeper at a Premier League club is the, the best job in the world. I would. Say. I'd
2: say what's worth a listen as well. Um, the Peter Crouch podcast on um, on goalkeepers where they talk about these and. They say that goalkeepers are all nutters, especially the ones who do it just as a profession but never play. They're, kind of, they're, just, they're just in it for the training. It's kind of weird, isn't it? You'd think being a footballer, he'd want to play, but there's a lot of them apparently that don't.
1: We had Stuart Taylor, didn't we, for a brief period, and he spent about a 20-year career playing about 150 games. Because he just used to go around and be the third choice everywhere, and you always felt he was probably slightly miffed if he had to come on. He was like,
2: Fuck's. is this is this maybe why Kiko's a bit mad because he's kind of just been sat on the bench at Real Madrid and suddenly he's. it's like like you know when you see these nice videos on the internet of like lions or bears that have been caged that have been used to perform and then they set them out into
0: like free in a sanctuary
2: and they don't quite know what to do and then they just go ape shit and have fun. Do you think he's doing that?
0: It could be. And there's there's the thing with uh, Peacock Farrell is that he started his summer making a big deal about how he wasn't going to be. Uh, sitting on the bench at Leeds if he's next season he's going to play he's going to be number one and then uh, he's now number three choice at Burnley if not four so there's an element of bullshit there that kind of needs to be uh, acknowledged as he goes out the door I
2: think maybe that's what's not soured his exit a little bit but why Leeds fans are perhaps a little bit ambivalent
0: about the move you think "Mm, you should
2: have just kept a lid on that I think that
0: was poorly advised there's two things about him there's one he's not very good two as soon as Kiko came in, it seemed like his his dummy went out and he wasn't happy about a goalkeeper from Real Madrid who has played loads of games coming and taking his shirt. And, you know, say what you'll want about Kiko's performances. You've got to kind of check yourself sometimes and say, well, where am I actually in the pecking order? I'm 22 years old and I'm shit. So do I deserve to be in a team ahead of this guy? And, um, and, and that's the point we've got to go, no. So I'll work really hard to get in the team ahead of him or I'll just whinge about it to uh, in a TV interview and then um, go and warm the bench at Burnley.
2: I think what you're saying there is check yourself, don't wreck yourself. Yes. On to another departure that you're going to be uh, seriously lamenting. Yasuki Idiguchi has gone. Well, there's probably another
0: nation here that we can
2: offend in the form of the Japanese. So um, you've been saying his name wrong
0: all this time, have you? According to Dean on Twitter, I will defend myself slightly. When uh, Idiguchi signed, I put some effort into learning how to pronounce his voice and I put a lot of effort into him in general. I watched him play for Japan in an entire friendly that I managed to download a game against Brazil and made lots of gifts of him, uh, schooling Neymar and showing Leeds fans maybe, Hey, he may be a bit of a mystery, but he looks like a good player. Um, but yeah, apparently I think as his, uh, as he slightly faded from view, maybe wasn't quite dominating the first team picture at Leeds, the way I expected um, my pronunciation of his name, tailed off. And Dean has pointed out, I think I'm all right with Iriguchi. I think I've always been quite consistent, but I was calling him Yusuke Iriguchi. He's uh, linked... Yusuke. Yusuke. So Yusuke Iriguchi is... Uh, there's a, another version. That's how we should have been saying it all along. So I apologise to Dean, but most of all, I apologise to Yusuke Iriguchi. And I wish him wish him very well back in Japan, where really it's probably for the best, isn't it?
1: I think I think everyone owes him an apology. We appear to have made a profit on this as well, which it feels a little bit callous to have basically taken him away for five hundred grand, ruined his life, ruined his legs, and then sent him back with the seven hundred grand uh, as a, as a thank you to us.
0: Yeah, Phil Hayes uh, put out the nugget that apparently Gambril Saka have given us one point two million to take him back after two years just of his knees being ragged to pieces in Spain and Germany. He wasn't injured in Spain. He just was deemed not good enough to play in a, in a second division relegation battle. And then as soon as he went to Germany, um, yeah, it was just knee injury, knee injury, knee injury.
2: Apparently, somebody yeah, pointed out that the pound has become slightly devalued compared to when we bought him. So it could just be currency exchanges that have done that profit for us. In, in true Ken Bates style. I did see a suggestion as well that if the
1: roof money is coming it's been agreed in installments and uh, it, it might actually be worth tens of millions to us in the near future when the, uh, when the pound fully collapses
0: Maybe this was the trick all along Victor Orto just had one eye on the, uh, the money markets and uh, just bring in any player from Japan we can and sell him back in. Uh, well, sell whatever's left of him back
2: I mean, well, you know, there's the yin and yang for every situation and Lawrence de Bock is off and he's going to cost a lot of money, isn't he, in the long run. He's uh, finally got his loan moved back to Greece by the looks of it. How much did
0: we pay for him? Was it about a million quid? I've seen one and a half. I think one and a half million was about it, but I don't know if that included add-ons. I don't think it's back to Greece. I think this is his first time in Greece. It's one of those where it's just anywhere that will take him. Just somebody take him. Yeah. There was the the insight into those, uh, um, the software that clubs are using and directors of football are using where you can now, you can just flag up and say, uh, we're a team that needs a left back. And I imagine Leeds have been uh, contacting every single team possible with, uh, with perhaps not pictures of Lawrence de Boc because if you looked at him, you wouldn't necessarily think that's the footballer we want. Maybe not his name either, because if you looked him up, you'd maybe think that's not the footballer we want. Maybe you just told him it's Tom Pearce.
2: Final point on transfers now, then the other big one, not on the pitch, but in the stands, in the gantry, Phil Hay, we now know exactly where he's going, or gone rather, and he's already started at The Athletic.
0: Yeah, and we're already using some bits from his, his work so far. There's been a couple of days of really interesting articles. One, the Victor Orta one, going behind the scenes of the uh, the life of a director of football, which seems to be the life of um, a hoarder who will probably be found dead in their apartment 10 days after there, or if... Surrounded by weeks. footballers. So, uh, football magazines, I'm really intrigued by this actually because Victor Rota apparently collects uh, every issue of Argentina's El Grafico and Brazil's Placar, and then this is what really puts it into context because you might think, okay, right, he's got a sub to El Grafico, that's fine. But it, he says he's got almost three quarters of the editions printed by Shoot in the UK, and that would mean he's got three quarters of them from all time.
1: And Shoot wasn't really a... A reading magazine was it? It's a, ch- it was, it's a child's it's, magazine. It's posters of like what I remember was like you get around the poster of like Des Little or something, and you go, oh, "Okay, I've got a picture of Des Little now. What do I do?
0: Does that go on the wall? I'm not sure." I store most of them at my mother's. She says because my own house is too small. So actually, it's his mum who is living surrounded, like trying to get to the kitchen between stacks of shoot and match magazine.
1: <laughs> I bet his house isn't small. It's just full. Yeah, there's a big difference.
0: So that's a crazy detail.
1: He's going to get eaten to death by his cats, found amongst piles of Argentine football magazines going back to the 60s.
0: And his cats are all like real expert tactical coaches. They probably, if they start breeding before he's found, they'll probably form like a team. They'll go in there and they've, they've, they've chewed out enough of an area. So they've got a little cat sized football pitch and they're playing maybe 11 versus 11 real tactical matches. I think we should stop. <laughs> I don't know. I think Victor Orta's uh, future race of really tactically advanced soccer cats, um, it could be once the bottom goes out of the Premier League, that could be the next big subscription spectator sport.
2: Let's move back to Planet Earth and talk quickly about our away kit. Again, not new news now because we've played in it and all that, but it was uh, getting released at the time we were recording last week. uh, Platinum and Pink, Grey and Fuchsia. It caught your uh, horrible little brat's eye. He seems keen on it. Uh, Do you know what? I quite like it. Not for us, but I quite like it. I think in a non centenary year,
1: it maybe is the third kit, because I still have a weird thing about wanting the away kits to be blue or yellow or both. It's not a weird thing. No, I suppose not. But it's it's
2: it's all right, you know. It's fine. It did jar when we sat there to watch the um the Bristol game on Sunday, it jarred for me, uh, with me for a little bit. I was kinda of like, This is this ain't right. And then I realised that I should be watching the football and not worrying about
0: the kit. That's maybe because we we're weren't playing against a team in red. And under other circumstances, that match might have been we'd be wearing white shirts and chain shorts, like some blue shorts to mix and match. But um, I think they definitely wanted to crank out the the platinum and pink in front of everybody. 4,000 sold in the first 24 hours of of sales. More than double the amount of shirts that were sold uh, in just one week last year have already been sold on the first day.
2: I do have a bit of a dilemma concerning this, though, in that I have to now go and buy one for the lad to save him from becoming a Spurs fan, or at least to mitigate the damage of that. But in doing so, I enable them. It encourages them, oh, it's another sale. Uh, we might do more of this. Oh, well, let's let's go for, I don't know. mauve Polka dots next year.
0: Violet. Do an tribute kit. We might get a roof back. Go out in purple just to piss off.
2: They've got one chance to redeem the heritage angle anyway, and that's the Birmingham game for the one-off kit in October. That's been um, been mentioned, hasn't it? So let's hope they get that right. I mean, I dare say it's going to cost an absolute fortune, and it'll be maybe a limited edition, but it should be hopefully very traditional.
0: It depends. There may be a third kit. I've not seen anybody confirm it, but the what we did last year where we had the. Um, the home kit came out then. Just before our first away game at Derby, we announced that we were going to be wearing uh, bus seats. And then, in time for Christmas, there was the yellow and blue away kit came out. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if after that October one, they may do another one of like here's another another history one because we'll have to wear whatever we wear in that Birmingham City match has to be nominally a home kit. So it's going to be homeish, I'm imagining. So that still leaves some room for a fourth kit that is like a, a blue and yellow away kit. Those swines keep they know, everybody happy. They know what they're doing, don't they? Those swines. Well, FFP. You got to bring in all the money you can. Maybe that's what it will be. It'll just be a big. Uh, you remember the? Um, was it Paris Saint Germain used to have RTL in huge, like chest sized letters? Maybe we'll just go out with FFP written across the front of our shirt like that.
2: Or maybe that's what you know. They've got rid of the Lufc from the shield badge. Maybe they're just going to replace that. Put that back in with FFP. Swirly, curly writing. Right, let's check in on the God Rod now, the blasphemy baton. Uh, We're bored of it, aren't we? (laughs) Essentially, yeah.
0: This is why people don't go to church anymore.
2: It was a fun joke when it started back in January.
0: Um, Back in the Garden of Eden.
2: Yeah, if you are a new listener, it was basically something we made up for. The Stoke v Leeds game, just to find out if God preferred Leeds or Stoke, Uh, because Nathan Jones is very religious. Marcelo Bielsa, God himself, uh, one might argue. Anyway, Stoke won, and it's changed hands through victory since then. Um it's ended up with Olympiacos thanks to Nottingham Forest getting defeated by them in pre-season and I think we just can't be bothered tracking it anymore is that is that a fair assumption? I mean I,
1: I may keep an eye on it but no one else needs to know about it. It can be a private hobby.
0: I think we're interested in because they're still in European competition aren't they? We we established last time I think that they're just going to win most of their Greek uh, domestic games although if they come up against Lawrence Debock they may have a tough a tough match there. So we, we probably need to keep an eye out for some, some things like that. If Lawrence de Boc is suddenly um, anointed the son of God, that's news. But otherwise, Sodom. And Gomorrah. Pardon me? Oh, right. <laughs> so, yes. It's a biblical reference for you. Like I say, we're, we're all bored of religion now. We're playing Stoke again at the end of uh, August, though. So we may have, um, if uh, Nathan Jones gets struck by lightning or something, we may, we may have to review our position.
2: However... We would like to evolve this and take it to a new level, thanks to the suggestion of Eden J. Harris on Twitter. Who Appropriately named. Got, it's almost... it's The heavens are sending us a message here, aren't they? The Garden of Eden. Do you
0: think his nickname is Garden? I hope so.
2: Anyway, he contacted us to say that uh, an idea loosely, slash heavily, based on our God Rods, um, Eden and his mates have decided to pass the booze baton between clubs this season. So whoever ends the season holding the booze baton is where they will have their end-of-season party. So what we've decided to do is piggyback on that, invite ourselves to it, and say that when we win the league, we're going to go somewhere and have a big old party. We're going to go. Eden and his mates are going to go. Everybody's invited, including you, and it will be determined through where the booze baton ends up instead. Is that right? Is that fair? Yeah,
1: so it's whoever beats Leeds. So say Forrest beat us this weekend, which they won't, but let's, let's pretend they did. They they take the, the baton from us, and then they go on to lose to Birmingham, then it goes to Birmingham and, and passes on. So, we will be at some location
0: in the championship. I mean, there are some deadly mill towns in this division. If, we, if this ends up a night out in Blackburn or Bermondsey, yeah, Bermondsey, but you mentioned Milltown, Millwall. There's a lot of danger involved in this, isn't I'm, there? I'm fairly sure what
2: we could do is we could take Bermondsey and just count that as London.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm
2: happy with that. Go up west. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Very a very broad brush approach to that. So, yeah, the end of season night out at, at what, Blackburn? Preston, It could be, couldn't it? But uh, we'll leave it in in the fate of uh, of the lap of the gods again, I guess.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we
0: like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at borough.com slash ACAST. That's borough.com slash
2: ACAST. borough.com slash ACAST. You mentioned Forrest just then. Uh, they're up on Saturday. One-time holders of the, uh, the Godrod, the Blasphemy Baton. Now just a normal, ordinary
0: workaday club. We're
2: going to beat these again, aren't we?
0: Without God on the side, they've got nothing. They look crap against West Brom. We'll beat them easily. Preview over.
2: How are you feeling Michael because you're always an interesting barometer for for the season because you're extremely negative normally.
0: Extremely
1: negative is I, I well I thought I was extremely negative and then I saw Twitter this summer and there's people predicting we're going to we're going to do well to avoid relegation having come within a, a couple of points of promotion last year so I'm
0: not very negative. Yeah, we should win this. They're not very good. Who scored.com is obviously a delight at this time of year because Uh, If you remember last week, they had nothing to say about Leeds or Bristol City because there hadn't been any games yet. There's now been one game, so they've got everything to say. They've got the team characteristics all broken down, essentially based on uh, one game each. But it's fascinating. There's so much. We are very strong at counter-attacks and creating long-shot opportunities because against Bristol, we counter-attacked a lot and Adam Forshaw had lots of chances to score. So it's great. We can read so much into this. We're very weak, apparently, at defending against skillful players. I didn't necessarily see that against Bristol. Nottingham Forest's weaknesses, uh, they're very weak at avoiding individual errors, which I think is probably just down to their goalkeeper, like letting in both goals last week. Um, they're also very weak at protecting the lead, which I think is entirely because they went ahead against West Brom and they conceded <laughs> twice. Um but yes, the the match cast, the match forecast from who scored is that Leeds will score as a result of an opposition error is very likely. Uh, that Forest will control the game in our half is likely. And also it's likely they'll score from a direct free kick. I think did they score from a direct free kick in
1: the I think never has this been as meaningless. Oh as in it fact, as it
0: is yeah. Right Strengths shooting from direct free kicks. So I think they must have scored from a direct free kick against and here, the I think West Brom.
2: This is the, you know, when you apply the phrase, hoist by your own petard, because you've gone into batforwhoscored.com for years now on this podcast, and this just proves they are shite. Um, avoiding just,
1: it, avoiding indiv- individual errors is entirely due to their goalkeeper, isn't it? Yes. And, uh,
0: yeah. I mean, I've, I've done, you, you dismissed this, but I've just given you a detailed tactical breakdown of I'm probably... Marcelo Bielsa will be having exactly the same conversation with his coaches now, only in Spanish. That reminds me, Michael,
2: you might want to tell the listener about your bets that you had on Sunday because um, they're very weak at protecting the lead. What did you bet on, on Sunday when we were playing Bristol with your ill-gotten gains? Let's not forget that you bet against us to get promoted last year and you were right and you're sat on a lot of money right now.
1: Well, I bet on, before the game, I had a little, only like a quid or two on um, basically the result switching after halftime, so I bet on Leeds to be winning at halftime, losing at full-time and then Bristol to be and the reverse of that. And then during the game, when we went into a a two nil lead, I think I just stuck a few quid on Bristol winning just as a compensation. It's compensation. Look, I lost, you'd be glad I lost money betting on leads. I do this all the time. It's just that when it, the bigger this thing is, it's a couple of quid at this stage because it doesn't matter too much. As it ramps up towards the end of the season, I'll be sticking like 20 quid on Bristol, even though, even though we're three up
2: with, (laughs) with 10 minutes to go. A panic bet. Exactly. I think, cause how much are you sat on now from your wins last year? 650 quid, I think. I think we should invite suggestions for bets for how you should spend your uh, money in your betting account.
0: Yeah, Jordan Stevens, if you're listening, don't <laughs> phone in with any ideas. <laughs> That's not allowed, Jordan. Is, are, you, are you game for that?
1: I mean, we could spend it on other things. I think I'll, I'll allow you like a couple of pounds a week each. Actually, that adds up to quite a lot. Yeah, go on. But I'll win some back because you're no doubt you're, you're hot tipsters. You're allowed a pound a week each.
0: <laughs> you can't eat like, I use Betfair where it's a minimum two, so that won't work. I put on a very, very civilised uh, bet on Sunday, Leeds to win. Simple. And I won. And I felt good about it. Because that's the feeling that betting gives you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> when
2: the fun stops, stop. We should say that. <laughs> but yeah, all right. I'll let you spend some of it. What about, so are you, are you open to suggestions for what we should spend it on anyway? As long as it's cheap. Because that was my money.
1: Had I lost that money, no one you wouldn't have been compensating me, would you? that's true no you're absolutely right yeah keep, right.
2: keep it sensible if you want to suggest open something, to ideas yes tweet us then or you can just drop us a line on the um on the WhatsApp number oh seven eight double nine triple five four five nine back to Forest um mm. I want you to bet on leads to win
1: okay it won't return much but okay okay well would it change you if you knew they'd have signed Carl Jenkinson is that some guy that Arsenal bought about 10 years ago and have just loaned out every season they bought him from Charlton and then he's He's, one of the, he's played like 40-odd league games in about nine years
0: for them. He's going to be like a hot teenager, wasn't he? Kind of, they had Sam Byram on loan last year, so I guess he's filling that slot. slot. they still got Liam Bridcut knocking about. I looked at um, what he did last season. He only got on their bench three times. He did get into one game, but they brought him on in the 93rd minute. So his, his minutes played, even though he actually played a match, shows up as zero.
2: One thing that Forrest don't have that we do have, continuity. It's the buzzword of this season. We've got continuity from last week, from last season. They don't. They've got a different coach again. Doesn't know the club. Which we know is the number one most important characteristic of any player or manager knowing the club.
1: Doesn't know the league. He knows nothing. Who is he? This French French chap, Sabri Lemouchi. Is that his name? I think so. I was about to ask. <laughs> I, think, I think we've looked at him before. I vaguely remember it because uh, he was good on championship manager in the 90s.
2: And there's no roof as well now, so the Forest fans can't bitch and moan about that handball last season. That's good. That's disarmed that, hasn't it? No pun intended.
0: Yeah, that's why we sold him. Because we were appalled by his... Um... Like a fair play. Disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. So and obviously
2: those those points did cost Forest,
1: because they would have finished... I don't know where they finished. They would have finished equally mid-table.
0: Yes, they might have finished 11th instead of 12th, and we denied them that opportunity with... Uh, I mean, it was a glancing handball. Just happened to glance into the net.
2: So finally, let's wrap this bit up then and make a, a definitive prediction. We've kind of skirted around it already, but will our bravado backfire on us? I say home win. We will score another three. Will we concede? Don't
0: care. Michael? Yeah, i go along with that. I'm thinking a, maybe a 5-2 win.
2: Heroes and villains now to close out this episode of the Squareball Podcast. Uh, First of all, we will pick a villain. Uh, Let's rattle through our nominations. First of which is Ken Bates. The award is named in honour of him. And we normally struggle for a reason. He's actually been in the news this week, or at least his era, Chelsea, has. um, And his director of football, who is at our club, Gwyn Williams, as well. Uh, Given the general tone of this podcast, uh, we should probably tread very lightly across this topic.
0: Yeah, we don't want to shy away from serious things going on in football, but we're also possibly not the right people to be delving into the minutiae of uh a a Bernardo's investigative report that also we haven't read. Um, but the Telegraph have, and they're reporting that it's uh, the, the findings of the uh, regime of aggression and bullying that they think was uh, going on at Chelsea is very, very serious, and this has been bubbling on for a while in the news, is, uh, is worthy of, um, of villainy uh, status. But with that in mind, we probably need to nominate him for something else that we can be confident in, uh, in our legal grounds for, uh, for declaring. A
1: shit beard and obesity. (laughs) (laughs) Morbid obesity, which he somehow continues to live through. Yeah, not morbid enough. Uh,
2: Who else do you want to nominate?
1: Jack Harrison. You've seen who his best mate is. Uh Ah. Derby County's Frank Lampard. Is that the way to do it? I'm not sure. Ex-Derby County's Frank Lampard, Chelsea's Frank Mm. Lampard.
0: The nomenclature is very difficult, isn't it? Especially when we've got other names in the mix now.
2: What about uh, MDFL, media darling Frank Lampard? Of Frank Lampard's Chelsea. I liked it when
1: Moscow called him a, a photocopier salesman in his uh, in his suit. Says, I feel like I can talk to Frank about anything. I've had a really special relationship with him, a special bond. People come and go in this game, lose contact. But with him, it's something more than that. He's been an idol for me. It's weird. I have
2: to step outside the box every now and then to think about it. He gives me answers that help massively. Maybe we could call him, hang on a second, let me work out the letters for this, J H. HFL, Jack Harrison's hero, Frank Lampard. Maybe with that, the acronym, is that the right one? It does at least give him some positive that he has a Leeds player in his name.
0: It is a bit strange. I feel like I can talk to Frank about anything. I wonder if he called him up and he's like, Bielsa's told us all sorts about you. Another guy who's very reminiscent
2: of Frank Lampard, Frank Lampard Light. I was going to say Frank Lampard Jr., but he can't be junior because he is Frank Lampard Jr. So maybe Frank Lampard Light. Lee Johnson in his suit.
0: Frank Lampard wannabe. Yeah, okay. I'll well, actually Marcelo Bielsa wannabe. I wonder at what point after Marcelo Bielsa said in his press conference last year um that after all the controversy in, involving us it was us that this involved the goal against um, Aston Villa and kicking the ball out he said that Leeds will no longer be kicking the ball out if then if Lee Johnson immediately jumped on his little laptop and was like I'm going to email every club in the championship and tell them that we've got this great idea that we're not going to kick the ball out anymore. And I wonder also, because he got very angry about it during the game on Saturday, and I'm wondering if his his anger was the situation, that the ball was either not being put out of play, or the Leeds players wanted it being out of play, or what, or if he just suddenly realised they've not read my email. I've been sending them loads of emails. Are they not following Bristol City policy? Did you just delete it? I never got a read receipt. Did I get a read receipt? Spam folder, that one. Spam folder. You'd set up a filter, and you'd just be done with. That's strange. That isn't it? A a
2: small man getting angry. I'm I'm a small man. I don't get angry like that. Do I?
0: It's stature. It's not just physical. It's it's uh, mental and character. And in those situations, Lee Johnson is exceptionally short. (laughs) (laughs) Who else? Jordan Stevens. I know we've been uh, we've been talking about Chubby's uh, betting career um, and perhaps that's the kind of warning, the example that Jordan Stevens needs to be given not to follow. We don't want to be too harsh on him. Young lad, he's obviously made some mistakes. He's been betting on football matches by the sound of it. He's going to be punished by the FA. But we need to, you know, this, this is more of a telling off than, than anything else. Don't become like Michael.
2: I was going to say, what's Michael's excuse then? He's a grown man in his 30s.
1: It's hard to know where he got the idea that he, he should gamble. It's not like um, every single aspect of football is absolutely covered in betting, is it? It's uh...
0: Well, that's the next villain, is every single betting company that uh, sponsors football and got Jordan Stevens into this mess.
2: In particular, 32 Red for the whole um, Wayne Rooney thing as well.
0: Which is just, that makes me want to weep.
1: Why do they even want him? He was washed up a couple of years ago.
0: It's, this is the same as the... Uh the Paddy Power Huddersfield kit. That's all it is. They'll probably play Wayne Rooney in one match and then be like, ah, just a joke. Do you know what my mate said? Uh, He said they kind of, Derby
2: got awoke into um, relevance again, you know, with the whole Frank Lampard thing and the playoffs and the whole Leeds Spygate thing. And they've kind of had a taste of it and they want more of it. That's what it is. They
0: they had Ashley Cole as well, don't forget. And now, so now they've got to have Philip Coccu. They've got to have Wayne Rooney. They'll probably, who else? David May. Whoever else he can get hands We on. should nominate Mel Morris as well, the Derby chairman, for this. I mean, how much money does he want? He's sold the stadium. He's done the FFP thing with that, all of it. Now he's trying to generate more money out of 32 red and Wayne Rooney. He probably owns uh, a number of brothels in in Derby, specialist brothels. Perhaps he's uh, it's the the circle of money. It doesn't, does he? Definitely not. No, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. And if that does make the final edit, I want to be absolutely clear on that that uh, there is no link. If I did own
1: a string of um, 50-plus specialist brothels, I'd probably start a tech company to wash that money through as well.
0: (laughs) Interesting views, Michael, that I do not agree with. Let's move on to Paul Heckenbottom. What's he done now? Uh, Thinks he invented Marcelo Bielsa. That's it. When he was here, he says, oh, yeah, I spoke to uh, uh, Victor Rota about Marcelo when I first went in. Um, And Victor was asking about coaches, and I mentioned Athletic Bilbao and the aspects of Bielsa I really liked I don't know what aspects of Bielsa involve our players just standing still while the other team scores, but hecking bottom, there you go, future genius.
2: And finally, Ian Holloway, what's he in for?
0: Uh, Because he doesn't shut the fuck up. I think all I'll read from this quote is maybe the first bit. And bear in mind, this was last week. Uh, Bielsa, I went off him a little bit because of spygate. I'm uh, just shut the fuck up. Who's having it? I'm into Lee Johnson.
1: I think Lee Johnson as well. There's something about the the face of the man. I can't stand.
0: There's always a chance that the uh, the imaginary trophies for this could physically crush him.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, you can have that. Andy Hughes Hero Award now then. Let's pick a hero from the last week. Who uh, Who's in? From a
0: similar era to Hughes Dog, actually, Andy Robinson. Still trucking. He's just signed for Simru Southside Ammon Ford. <laughs> Simru, that's correct. And I will, anybody can—you cannot tell me I'm wrong. Big apologies to our Welsh listeners as well as our Irish listeners, our Australian. Clyde listeners. Why Simru? Um, he's 39, and he's gone to play there. And there was a br- there's a brilliant uh, video of him being sort of showing off his skills to his his new club, which involves uh, scoring a penalty, scoring a penalty. Uh, but they've set it up with like a GoPro in one corner of the the net, to like really capture it beautifully. But he he puts the ball in the other corner. <laughs>
1: When you're a fine physical specimen, you can keep going into your late 30s, can't you? And he, he always looked like the sort who really took care of himself.
2: I'd quite like to boost Andy Robinson's nomination for hero as well, because he actually follows us on Twitter, you know.
0: Does Lee Trundle follow us on Twitter?
2: Not as far as I'm aware. I,
0: I'll check. He is, coincidentally, also at Ammanford. He's. It's going to be Andy Robinson uh, firing in the crosses for Trundle. It's just like Leeds back in the day. Lee Trundle was particularly
2: shit for us, though. It's like when we had Rush and Haley in the same side. So I'm, I'm not having that. Uh, Who else?
1: Pablo, because obviously played very well as well, but in the the post-match interview when he said, we lost the chance to go to the Premier League, there was something in it which to me suggested he would be here until we were in the Premier League, however long that takes.
0: 60-year-old Pablo
1: Hernandez. (laughs) And I think there was something in the resolve of him being like, we lost that chance,
2: but we are still going. Some more nominees from the weekend game than Pat Bamford, because he scored, and that's basically all
0: that matters these days, isn't it? And he did a, an interview afterwards saying that he's, he spent the summer toughening up and he's not going to uh, seek protection from referees anymore. He's going to fight it out on his own. Going so. to be a brute... We'll see how long that lasts. Ben White as well, because he was great. Great debut. Should we stick Kiko Kassir in there as well? Because he got kind of a hard time off that Sky video and stuff. And he did, uh, he did make our faint hearts flutter. I was going to say, could be a yeah, good thing.
2: awful when somebody puts together a video compilation of stuff, isn't it? About Especially keepers. when it's a
0: goalkeeper. Yeah,
2: so yeah, definitely. Well done, Kiko, for, uh, for a great performance on Sunday. And that should, I think, unless we can think of anybody else, wrap up the nominations. Who's having it? Give it to Pat. Give him a boost.
0: He did say, again in that interview, uh, "They said, oh, is it great that the fans were cheering your name, singing your name at the end of the match? And he sort of said, well, I don't know why they wouldn't be. That's, that's the confidence of the entitled. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's, he already gets everything else out of life, doesn't he? So we may as well give him this award as well. <laughs> well done, Pat Bamford. Another silver spoon. <laughs> And that just about wraps up
2: this episode of The Squareball Podcast. Final word on subscriptions. If you have subscribed, either digitally or via paper, thank you so much for getting behind us. You can do it too. If you haven't, have a look on the website, thesquareball.net. And the other big thing as well, if you'd prefer it in your ears... As well as on your doormat. <laughs> Check out The Extra Ball, which is our other podcast, the stablemate to this one. Um, we really, really appreciate everybody who's got behind us so far. You've blown us away with the numbers. If you want to do it too, have a look at the squareball.net, and it's enabling us to do loads more podcasting.
0: And if there's a week to do it, it's this week when you get our first ever live show, will be broadcast to you afterwards. A treat, if ever there was one.
2: Absolutely, yes. Two ninety nine a month, your first month's free, so you can enjoy us for free and laugh at us if you fancy it. Uh, all at the squareball.net as we said. Uh, we head in towards the second week of the season. Salford is again midweek
0: as well, isn't it, afterwards? We didn't even bother previewing that, did we? Because we don't care. It's not a real football team. Uh, another six points in the bag, then. In fact, I'm going to use the uh, the time we would have spent talking about Salford. 8th of August, my book's come out, so I'll go and buy my book. Ignore the, the Salford match 100 years of Leeds United we got this far without mentioning it
2: what I don't like is that you've closed the podcast out on a big sell it just feels like you've cheapened everything we'd never do that we never would speak to you next time thanks for listening the
0: square ball
2: podcast